service and the Holy Ghost moves, or whether we got to take a trip to the hospital. <laughs> I want to tell everybody this is one of the greatest young men you'll ever meet in your life. Amen. Praise the Lord. Just hang on. If I, yeah, you're going to need your Bible, Brother Kevin. <laughs> if I had his energy, whoo! Come on, Brother Kevin. Come preach the God. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Oh, I feel like praising him right now. Come on, there's somebody here tonight. You praised him, but you haven't praised him the way you want to. And you ought to take the next 30 seconds and just praise God the way that you want to praise him. Oh, hallelujah. Man, I wish somebody would get excited here tonight. I think that's already happened. Amen. Amen. I love the Lord. I want to say thank you to my pastor. I love my pastor. And I want to say I love You can be seated. Thank you. I want to say I love my beautiful wife, and I want her to sing a song. So, I want to say that, uh, I want to say I give honor to you, you today. I want to give honor to my friend, Brother Ellis. I want to give honor to my pastor, my pastor's wife, to my youth pastor, uh, to my family. This is my amen corner. <laughs> love you guys. Love my parents. Uh, and uh, my brother-in-law, Alex, my brother Aaron, and all of them. And uh, I'm just excited to be in the house of the Lord tonight. And if it's all right, how many would love to hear my wife sing? Woo! Okay. Listen, y'all. I was walking off this platform because he said, honey, I want you to sing. I said, you know I'm almost nine months pregnant. I got a son, I got, I'm congested, and I got a six-pound baby in me, okay, <laughs> pressed him against my lungs, I, and I thought that was the end of it. I really did. He didn't say anything. I thought we were good. I can't breathe. <laughs> Y'all just gonna struggle with me. No, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something real quick. Is, uh, it feels good in the house right now, and the Lord is here. But uh, in 2023, my uh, family had to make some, I'm going to cry, here we go, had to make some difficult medical decisions with my dad, and then also with other people in the family I won't name, and it was just very difficult, and when you're a, a strong, I don't want to call myself a strong Christian, whatever, but when you're a strong Christian, everybody like looks to you. And they ask you all the questions. They call the really hard questions. Like, why is God doing this? Why is everything happening? I'm going around. And, uh, you know, you're going through it too. Just like they are. <laughs> so you're just hanging on. And uh, calling up your pastor and bugging him. And uh, I got to the point where, like, I was like, we're just going to get where we're going to go. And I'm just going to trust God. That's all I'm going to do. That's all you can do. Sometimes in the uncertainty... So, um, that's just what I did. And I was sitting on the porch one day, and this song came to me. Kevin doesn't know it. My sister don't know it. Nobody knows it. I don't know how I know it. And uh, it just came to me one day, and it kind of, like, became my anthem 
because the words of the song, I would sing it, and it was like, I was speaking it out, and it was like my promise to the Lord. <laughs> Y'all, I don't sound pretty when I cry. But I'm going to sing this song, and I don't know if you know it or not, but just listen to the words, and if you're there, maybe it can be your anthem too. <laughs>
Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. And I'm going to be reading verse 8. Revelation chapter 3 verse 8. It says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. And no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. I've set before thee an open door. And I want to preach on the subject tonight on halfway in and halfway out. Halfway in and halfway out. Father God, in Jesus' name, I love you today, God. And I thank you for your presence that's in this place. Can we love him one more time? Lord, I thank you for your presence that is in this place. And I pray tonight, God, for the unction and anointing of the Holy Ghost that you'd help me here tonight. That you'd speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Revelation chapter 3, verse 8. He said... I've set before you an open door. And I want you to know tonight that God is a God of open doors. He's a God of open doors. He opened the door for Moses. He opened a door called the Red Sea. When there's no other way out. He made a door. He's a God of open doors. He made a door for Jericho. When Joshua came to Jericho, they had these walls they couldn't get in. And God made those walls fall down. There was a door of opportunity that God created for them. God is a God who opens doors. He opened the door of a tomb for a man named Lazarus. When Mary and Martha didn't know what was going to happen, and it was four days late, he opened that door. I want to tell you here tonight that God is a God who opens doors. There is nothing in your life right now that you are going through that God cannot open. I want to tell you here tonight that um, when you live this life as a Christian, as a, as a newborn believer in Christ, you, in your life, it is important for you to know that you are going to find closed doors. And it's important for you to know that. It's important for you to know that living for God is not always sunshine and roses. Sometimes you're going to run into a place where a door will close on you exactly where you don't want it to close. But the good news is, I declare to you tonight, God said, I am going to set before you an open door. In Matthew chapter 7, he said, ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. I remember one time, uh, I can't remember the situation as far as I have a hazy memory about it, but I'm preaching about God being a God of open doors. I remember one time, my mom, mom would, you, uh, would you testify about how God healed you at Star Bethlehem that night real quickly? Here, let me give. Will you testify very quickly about how God healed you at Sarbethlehem, our brother Doug White preached? Praise the Lord. 
Usually I don't need a mic. <laughs> but, but anyway, um, I have been, um, had several injuries. Um, through the years, I've had a healing from my back. I've had different things. And um, I had a torn ACL in my left leg. And um, they wouldn't operate on it. They, didn't, they, they were trying to put me through the therapy and all that stuff. And um, in the meantime, I, they, they found cysts behind both of my knees. Um, I couldn't walk without a walker at first, and then I ended up in a wheelchair, and my muscles atrophied, and I couldn't move, and I felt like my life was over. And all this time, I'm just trusting and I'm believing in God, because <laughs> he's, he's done miracle after miracle for me. And it, I, I, know, I know from experience that you don't always see it, that you have to trust God. And so we were just trusting. And I was, feel like I was never going to get out of this hole I was in. And we heard about this um, uh, revival or meeting at Brother um, Star Bethlehem. And Brother Doug White was there. And uh, Brother Jerry, he said, we're going tonight. I said, okay, we're going to go. And I, we went. And I was like, well, he's like, you're not taking a walker in that. He said, like, you're too young to be on a walker. And we're going to trust God. And he, he wouldn't let me take my walker. I was like, okay, but if I fall, I'm falling on you. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, so I walked in with my walking stick, um, my little cane. And um, I couldn't stand up without falling. I, it, I don't, no matter what I did, I couldn't stand up. And um, he was preaching and he said, uh, he said, I feel that there's an angel in this house tonight to heal and deliver someone. And he said, I'm impressed with the Lord. It's going to be, it's, it is right here. He said, if, if you have a need for a miracle in your life, for a divine healing, divine miracle, you need to be in this area right here, right now. And my lovely husband, he didn't bat an eye. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, yeah, I do. I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, I could do that. But, you know, I didn't move. Next thing I know, my husband's dragging me up front. And because, uh, I mean, I was willing. And uh, he pitched that walking stick down. He said, you are healed in the name of Jesus. And Jerry laid hands on me and said, we are claiming this healing in Jesus' name. And I walked out of there with nothing. <laughs> nothing. The same God that when Brother, Brother Henry and, and Brother Cook, they laid hands on me and they prayed for me. I had scoliosis so bad. They said I'd never be able to have kids. They said I never. I, I was on therapy three days a week. I was on all kinds of pain medicines. I could not do anything. Then God healed me. I walked out of there without that. God, God is a healer. God is a healer. And so I, I just began to thank God. And then, and then, you know, a couple of days later, I start feeling, you know, man, I'm. I'm Feeling a little uneasy, feeling like I'm gonna, you know, get that back. And I'm like, I told Jerry, I said, we gotta pray because I am not accepting that back. Because, you know, that's what the enemy does. He tries to come in and put it back on you if you let it. And I said, in Jesus' name, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm healed in Jesus' name. And I haven't been bothered with that. I, I mean, I may have had other things, but I never had that. God, God's a healer. And I want to tell you here tonight, you can walk inside the doors of an apostolic church and I don't care what kind of disease you have. I don't care what the doctor has to say about you. I don't care what kind of diagnosis.
promises they give you, I don't care how long they give you to live, God is able to open a door of healing in this place. God is able to do what no one else can do. God is able to turn your nothing into something. God is a God of open doors. And if you believe that, you ought to praise God right now. Great. Now, I feel like I got everybody on board. I feel like everyone in this place really believes God is a God of open doors. But here, here it is. Now, check this out now because I'm fixing to preach. Fixing to preach now, Brother Bennett. Too many times, and I'm going to lose my voice, but I'm going to give everything I got. Too many times we find ourselves standing right in the middle of the gap to this open door. When God called you, he called you out of the world. When God called you, he called you out of who you used to be. When God called you, he called you out of that old man and into a new life. And God says, behold, I stand before you an open door. And in this door, there is more for you than you could ever imagine. And we take one step foot. And I don't know what it is about the flesh. I don't know what it is about the flesh, but for some reason, every one of us finds every one of us. Now, you may say, you may say, all oh, them newcomers, you know, the new believers. You know, I would never find myself in between that open door. Hey, let me tell you, there's a door called complacency that we can find ourselves in. Can I tell you, there's a door called a lack of prayer and a lack of fasting and a lack of hunger and a lack of soul winning. There is a door that we find that it doesn't matter whether you've been in the church for five minutes or five decades. There is a door that we find ourselves stuck in. Right. Let me tell you a little bit about in or out. Um. I have a bad quality about me, and that is I love to waste money. Julie said, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Every time we go to Huck's, thank you, Jesus. Y'all don't know about the pizza puffs. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a bad habit. I'm going to confess to you that I got a bad habit of spending money sometimes. A lot of times we don't have. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you my father, he used to tell me, uh, I say that to say this, is because we got a screen door at our house. And my son will run in out of that screen door, and it, I'll plop my back on the couch. And I'll say, get it there. So open that door. Here you go, buddy. And he'll get it. As long as he's happy, I'm happy. But I remember my father, you know, there's just a few things. There's just a, there's just a few things that you remember your parents telling you. You know, there's just a few things. There's a few things that are going to stand the test of time. You know, one thing I remember my dad told me probably more than anything else, you're, gonna, you're either going to come in or you're going to go out. You either need to, I don't know what you're going to do, but you need to close that door. And I want to declare here tonight that there's somebody that you've been in decision mode. You've been in, you've been out. You've been in, you've been out. And you need to make the decision tonight to close the door and stay in. You need to make the decision tonight that I'm coming out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. King Agrippa in Acts 20, 
I'm going to try to turn very quickly. Acts, 20, Acts 26, 28. Acts 26, 28. Pastor's got that Bible. Got the, you can flip right to it. It's got them notes in it. <laughs> Acts 26, 28. You know where I'm going, don't you, Brother Talzman? King Agrippa. Hold on, hold on. Verse 27. Hey, if you, if, you, if you can follow me, I know I'm going fast, but if you can follow me, try. We're in Acts chapter 20, 26. I want you to go to verse 27. But I'm not going to wait because I'm fixing to preach. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that you believe. You can't see what Paul did and not believe. Can I tell you the only, can I tell you the only reason that Paul got arrested is because they believed? Hey, he was he was in the middle of an entire city, an entire city. Somebody say an entire city. You're talking about magicians and, and idol worshipers and false prophets and false messiahs. And here comes one guy and he's the only one in prison because they believed him because he had the real thing. Hey, my God, can I tell you that sometimes? Oh, my mom's going to keep preaching. <clears throat> Verse 8, 28, pardon me. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost, almost, thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost, thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Hey, can I tell you that um, if it ever doesn't work out for me at Clark, I'm going to sell cars. That's going to happen. Hey, I want it to work out, but I will tell you, I've been watching training videos. I've been, hey, look, I've been watching training videos, and the guy that I'm watching, he, he's telling me, and he can't see me because he's on YouTube and I'm listening, and he's telling me this person that's got this car, he's tell, he said, look, that person that's buying that car, they're on the fence. They don't know when they walk into that lot, if it's a husband and wife, they know. But if it's... <laughs> she knows. <laughs> but if you get an individual... And you can get them to come in through the doors. They don't really know whether or not they're going to buy a car. And he said, it's your job to keep them from going back out those doors. And I want to tell you here tonight. that there's some people. There's some people that's walked through the doors of the church tonight. And you don't know. You don't know whether you're going to live for God when you get out of here or not. But I want to tell you, you need to make the decision to give it up tonight. You need to make the decision that this is where I belong. You need to make the decision that this is what we do. I'm a one God, apostolic, come talking, holy, rolling, born again believer in the liberating power of Jesus' name. Oh, it's decision time for some of us in here. It's decision time for some of us in here. You've been in the doorway too long, and it's time to come in. In Hosea chapter 7, verse 8. God, help me to get there very quickly. Hosea chapter 7, verse 8. Ephraim. I've, I studied. Can I tell you that I wanted to preach on Ephraim tonight? I wanted to. I, wanted to, I was going to spend four hours exegeting this text. I was going to give you the etymology. I was going to give you the, the theology. I was going to give you the exegesis. I was going to give you exegesis. I was convinced. I was convinced that I'm going to preach Hosea 7, 8 tonight. Well, but 
I'm not. And so I'm just going to use this as an illustration. So I'm not going to take very long explaining that. I say that Hosea chapter 7 verse 8. Ephraim really is a, is a tribe. This is a, a tribe that has been adopted by Jacob who's the son of Joseph. And now Ephraim becomes a people. And Ephraim is a, main, is a name that means blessed. Ephraim never really knew he was going to be technically a child of Jacob because he was adopted into the family. He was Joseph's son. I want to tell you, I don't care how, I don't care where you're born or how you're born. God wants to bring you into his family and he wants to give you a new name and he wants to give you purpose. But Ephraim grew. His name was fruitful or plentiful. It's kind of the same thing. Depends on whatever you want to say. He's, he's fruitful. He's plentiful. And, and Ephraim Grew in such, I had a map, but I didn't, I didn't send it to Brother Eric. I, Ephraim grew to such an extent that when the Bible, you got to know something. Is there anyone out here, is there, is there anyone out here that studies the Bible like who's on it, like every day? Brother Brandon, let me tell you, next time you're reading and you see Ephraim, you got to know that he is talking about the entire nation of Israel. Ephraim had grown so large of a tribe that every time God used the word and name Ephraim, he wasn't just talking to one person. He wasn't just talking to one tribe. He was talking to the entire nation. And Ephraim, who God had raised up. Ephraim, who God had adopted and put into the family of Jacob. Ephraim, who God had selected and blessed and called to be bountiful. Ephraim, verse 8, hath mixed himself among the people, and Ephraim is a cake that is not turned. <laughs> Ephraim is a cake that is not turned. When you look into the Old Testament, oh, hallelujah. And it's talking about that cake that's unturned. What that really means is, Sister Bennett, that is an unleavened bread. That cake we use that word. That's an old English word. If you get into the Hebrew, it means unleavened bread. And here's something you got to know about unleavened bread. When you cook unleavened bread, it doesn't rise. And so it cooks very quickly. It was unleavened bread that, that David had brought. It was unleavened bread that Saul ate on the battlefield. It was unleavened bread that the widow woman gave unto Elisha. It was unleavened bread that was placed on top of the table of showbread. And so he said, you are like a piece of unleavened bread which cooks very quickly that hasn't been turned. You know, I remember one time, I don't cook very often, bless the Lord. But I, when I, one thing I like to cook is I like to cook pancakes. <laughs> Preaching now. <laughs> I'm preaching somebody who likes pancakes. So, hey, listen. When you're preaching, when you're when you're making pancakes, there are some foods that you can let sit, and you could go. Clean your toddler's bedroom, come back. And you say, yeah, it hadn't moved much. Y'all ever heard of a crock pot? My goodness. Julie cooked some. My wife, she cooked some for like eight hours the other day. I was like, what in the world? It was, I was like, oh, my goodness. 
Hey, but look, Sister Madison, when you cook, when you, uh, when you cook a roast, we went to the store and came back. We went to the store and came back. We went to church. We, we went to church, went to the store. I talked to too many people for too long. And we got home, it was still cooking. Hey, but look, when you make pancakes, you better not leave that stove. I am watching that dude like a hawk. Man, I tell you what, I'm like Alcatraz. They're not going to escape me. <laughs> no pancake left behind. And I'm, and I'm flipping these pancakes. And something I learned. There's something, something I'm going to tell you. It takes about a minute to cook a pancake. And did you know, hey, Sister Bennett, can I ask you, how long did you, my wife told me that you make bread. That is amazing. Can you, can you tell me how long it cooks, it, it takes to cook a loaf of unleavened bread, do you know? Just a few, just, just a few, probably about a minute or two. Takes about a minute or two. Takes about the same time to cook a loaf of unleavened bread as it does to flip and cook a pancake. And when you look at verse um, 6, he said, They have made ready their heart like an oven, but they lie in wait, and the baker has fallen asleep. We're talking about something that you need to keep your eye on. We're talking about something that you need to be paying attention to. We're talking about something that's more important than a lot of other things you got going on. And he said the baker has fallen asleep. And that piece of bread has become an unturned, broken. And I said all that to say this, is that I have noticed that when we, I have noticed, he shot Ramosata. I have noticed that when you get caught in between, that when you're stuck in between here and between there, there's normally something that is, Brother Tosman, come up here. Thank you so much for helping me. Grab my hand. Come up here. Here's my friend, Brother Tosman. Why don't you stand on this side for some reason? Go ahead. <laughs> I have the home preaching to you here today that I have noticed that for some reason, when God will call you deeper and God will open doors in front of you and God will show you his glory and you'll pray and talk in tongues and make covenants and promises and you say God thank you for your presence God I don't see how the whole world doesn't have the Holy Ghost this thing is real this thing is powerful this thing has changed my life and soon as I go to take off can I tell you that I've noticed that when you're trying to get from here to there, it's because you got something stuck. Thank you. Can I tell you that, that my wife who wears these long dresses, bless God, I love my modest wife. Can I tell you that I've got, and I've, I've got to try to close the door to help her, to help her close the door. And you know how many times I've closed her door in that dress, or that, her dress in that door? I want to tell you here tonight, because I'm fixing clothes. I want to tell you here tonight that if you are stuck in between living for God or living for the world 
It's not really that you haven't made up your mind. It's that something has got a hold of you and you don't want to let it go. Can I tell you here today, I don't care what it is. I don't care what, what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul. I'm sorry I'm losing my voice, but I got to tell you, there's nothing out there worth losing your soul over. There's nothing out there worth giving. I wish somebody would get this. I'm preaching to somebody that you are stuck in between going in and going out. And there is a world... The world has got its grips on you, and, and, and carnality has its grips on you. And this baker, he was tired. He had fallen asleep, and he burnt that piece of bread. And that piece of bread, it represents more than just a sandwich. That piece of bread represented their heritage. It was bread that God had supplied for Moses. It was bread that Jesus in John chapter 6 he said he that cometh to me shall never hunger or thirst again because I am the bread of life. And that bread represented what God called them to be. And I want to tell you this is my last and final point. God is not only a God who opens doors and not only do too many times we get stuck in those doors. But my last point that I'm preaching to you here tonight night is that one day that door is going to close I said one day that door that you've been stuck in between is going to close Matthew chapter 25 help me father Matthew chapter 25 verses 10 through 13 How many, how many of you know this? As soon as I said Matthew 25, I know my dad knew exactly what I was going to say. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps. Oh, I'm going to take my time. This is my last point. I'm going to take, I, don't, I'm fixing, I don't, I'm running out of time, but I'm going to take whatever time I got left. My God, help me to preach tonight in Jesus' name. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps. And took no oil with them. There's five. There's five that was wise. There's five that were foolish. Five of them had oil in their lamps. And five of them did not. There was five of them that said, you know what? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go get some. Maybe somebody will share it with me. Maybe, maybe there'll be an oil salesman on the way there. Maybe he'll come uh, before this oil runs out. Maybe this. Maybe that. But what happened is, eventually, their oil ran out. Their oil ran out. And they had to go to buy. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. And afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when, wherein the Son of Man cometh. 
You don't know the day or the hour. We don't know the day or the hour. But I do know this. I know that when He comes, He'll come us. I know that when He comes, that as the lightning shines out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. I know that in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, He's going to return for His people. And I know that when He does, two are going to be in a field. One left and one taken. Two are going to be at work. One left and one taken. Two are going to be asleep in their bed. One, one left and one taken. And I want to tell you here tonight, you don't want to wait. You don't want to wait until that trumpet sounds because when that door closes, it's not going to open again. And when that door closes, you're not going to have time to go buy some more oil. When that door closes, you're not going to have time to say, God, I'm sorry. I'll get my life right eventually. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to give my life to you. I'm going to become a soul winner. I'm going to do this for your kingdom. When that door shuts, it shuts for good. And the next time you see God, you'll be standing in line to be judged. And I tell you here tonight, if only that baker had set a timer, if only that baker had had a smart, had had a smoke alarm that would go off and say, hey, you need to wake up. Hey, you need to get up and fix this. And I have come tonight as a smoke alarm. And I have come tonight as a timer that's going off. And I want to tell you, it's decision-making time. And you need to make the decision. Oh, whether you're going to be in or out. You're going to need to make the decision. What you doing? Come on, somebody stand all over this place. Oh, stand all over this place. I know I've preached... I know I've preached for a long time. But let me tell you, you need to make that decision here tonight. You don't need to go out of this place without making that decision. There is an open door. There is an open door. There is an open door. Look, there's oil. It's free. And let me tell you, when you're trying to come in, the enemy will try to grab you and will try to hold you. But I want to tell you also that when the enemy is trying to pull you out, there is a, when the enemy is trying to pull you out, there is a God that will reach in and say that there's nothing going to come out of my hand. I remember in Luke chapter 17. I remember in Luke chapter 17, there was a man who decided that he was going to take his father's living and he was going to go and he was going to spend it. And so he goes and he takes it. He takes that money and he spends it and he gets whatever he wants and he gets his full. And then bad times come. And those bad times come and he has nothing. But I tell you what he did have. He had an open door where the father was saying, come home, come home. And it is my cry for you here tonight. You may be living in such a way that you have fallen asleep. You may be living in such a way that you don't know whether you're going to live for God or whether you're not. You don't know whether you're halfway in or halfway out. But I want to tell you there is an open door and a God that is saying, come home. Come on, I don't want music. I don't want to beg you to come. I want to preach you to this altar. There needs to be somebody. There needs to be somebody here tonight. Come on, there's... There needs to be somebody here tonight that says, I'm time to come home. There needs to be somebody here tonight that says, I'm not going to be halfway in or halfway out. Come on.
one, you need to make that decision right now. I am calling you out of your pew. I am calling you out of your place. I am calling you out of your comfort zone. I am calling you out of a lifestyle that is sinful. I am calling you out of a lifestyle that's backslidden. I'm calling you out of a lifestyle that's not pleasing unto God. And I want to tell you, there's more for you. There is hope for you. There's salvation for you. There's healing for you. There's deliverance for you. There's a new name for you. But it's decision making time. Come on, saints, lift your voice. Come on, if you're, come on, if you're a saint of God, go ahead and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, if you're a saint of God, go ahead and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, if you don't need to come home and if you're already home, why don't you go ahead and make your, make your way down to this front and raise your hands and find somebody to pray. Hey, listen, there's people down here right now. There's decision-making time for them. And God wants to help them. Come on, saints. Are there any intercessors here tonight? Are there any prayer warriors here tonight? Are there any altar workers here tonight? Is there anybody that's going to come down? Come on, it's decision-making time. It's decision-making time. Come on, you need to give up that lifestyle. You need to give up those worldly things.